The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. So we're in this journey together, really trying to figure out how to give our lives away, trying to figure out how to live missionally. And those missional living moments are really meant to just... uh, Help us think, help us process, help us live into our God-given potential. And what I want you to see from that is that regardless of your current circumstance, you have opportunities. You have opportunities to give your life away. You have opportunities to share your faith. You have opportunities to meet needs. And so whether you're a business owner or whether you're a contractor, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, um, your circumstance is, is not what is confining you. I think a lot of times we use that as our excuse. Like, well, if I had a business, I would treat my employees this way. Well, if I, if I worked around a lot of lost people, then I would do this. If I, well, if I, if I had time at home, I, I think we, we use this excuse really just to mask some of our fear and some of our anxiety over living missionally, over giving our lives away. And I just want you to see from three people that sit amongst you that they've taken their, their circumstances and they're taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given them. And and that's really all that this is about. It's about waking up every morning and taking a big breath and going, okay, God, you have given me that. You've given me this day. You've given me this life. You've given me this circumstance, whether this job or whatever it is. Lord, may I use it for you. May I give my life away because of the life that you have given to me. I, I want this series called Reckless to spur us to live missionally because I want to be a part of a church that does that. I want to be a part of a church where it's just commonplace for its members to give their life away. It may be called radical, it may be called reckless, but that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. It's the kind of church I want to be the pastor of. And we as a church really didn't focus on missional living enough in the past few years. And so we're trying to change that. We're trying to take a focus shift and really highlight missional living. But the purpose of that is very simple. We believe that as a church, we want to make disciples for the glory of God and the result of a disciple is one who lives missionally, one who gives their life away. So if we're going to be a church of disciples, we need to be a church that lives missionally. And I just want those to encourage you. We're going to continue the series today. It's our fifth week in it. And the way that we've gotten our topics, our reckless living topics, is just from our covenant membership requirements. If you want to be a covenant member here, if you want to be a part of this church, there's seven of them. We're on the fifth one this week. And It just happens to read this way. Our fifth covenant membership requirement is that I commit to give sacrificially to resource the kingdom ministry of Summit Church. So today's the giving talk. If you read ahead, you probably would have scheduled a vacation today, but this is the giving talk. It's straight off of our covenant membership requirements. And before we really get into that, I, I just want you to know, I think the Lord has something beautiful to say to us all today about missional living. Yes, this is a giving talk, but we're really still talking about missional living. But I think God has something really good for us today. Let's pray and ask him to just come and speak to our hearts. Father, thank you for the gift that is your son, Jesus Christ, for the truth that is your word. And today I pray that those meld perfectly to transform hearts and minds. God, may we not become consumed with money. May we not become consumed with the idea of talking about money, but may we become consumed with you, with your love, with your mercy, with your grace. May we see the gift that has been given to us. And Lord, may that cause us to live missionally. May that cause us to give our lives away. May that cause us to make much of your name. 
God, this is all about you. So come and do what only you can do. Come and change hearts and minds. This is your church and we are your people. So come and do as you see fit, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. So it's the money talk and I, I get it. That's, that's not what most people want to come to church and hear about. Um, I haven't really talked about money much at, at Summit Church because I'm afraid to. I'll just be honest. I, I don't talk about it because I'm afraid to. But um, some of that fear was stripped away this week because I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about giving. I'm talking about missional living. The goal from today is not more money for Summit Church. The goal of today is more people living on mission. That's the goal. That, that's the, the point of this talk. But I'm not going to get so caught up in who's going to give because of this. Are we going to have new don't? Like, that's not what this is about. I don't know who gives what here at this church. I don't see that information. I don't want to see it. I don't know if you give a little or a lot. I, I will never know that. There's two people who do, and that's plenty. I don't want to know what you give, because that's not how I want to evaluate, is by, based on who gives and who doesn't. I care about people. I care about people living on mission. And the Lord had to show me this week that and Todd, you're running away from this topic of giving. You're running away from talking about this. You're scared of this for some of the major, major wrong reasons. And you've never run from a topic. Like, I'll stand up here and talk about the most culturally offensive stuff that's biblical. Like, I have no problem coming up here and just laying down. But you, you say, let's talk about giving. I'm just like, uh, let's not talk about that. Because there's a cultural stigma. There's a cultural stigma that churches and pastors talk about giving all the time. It's just, it's a stigma. It may or may not be true, but here's why a lot of people believe that. Man, I don't go to church because the pastor just keeps talking about money. All he wants is my money. That's the cultural stigma. And here's why. Because there are some churches that talk about money all the time. There are some. They do it for two reasons. One, they're broke. They're broke. They have no money, but the bills are coming, so they have to stand up and beg people to give. They have to beg them to give. The second reason that churches talk about money too much is because they mark that as the number one measurable factor of health. If we have a lot of money in the offering box, then we must be a healthy church. Here at Summit, we are not either of those two things. We are not broke, and we definitely do not measure the offering as our number one matrix of health. Life change. Baptism, people living in mission. That's how we measure health. Disciples being made, not how much money's in the box. That's just not what we do. There are a few churches, though, that do talk about money frequently. They do so biblically, and they do so without manipulation. And those churches actually are very healthy. They're very healthy and they're very missional. Because you cannot give your life away without being willing to give away your resources. Living a missional life and giving are tied together. So the churches that talk about giving biblically and appropriately have people that are set free from one of the greatest bondages in our world, and that is money. So actually talking about giving, talking about money, is talking about being on mission. So that's why I'm doing it today. If you're a visitor here, I just want you to hear this because it's true. We've mentioned giving before. We've been in church for six years. This is the first ever just talk on giving in six years because I was that scared of it. 
So bingo, you picked a great day to come. Um, <laughs> but six years, six years, I've never done a talk on giving. I've been too afraid. And you know what the Lord's kind of showed me this week was that part of this focus shift to missional living may need to include a focus shift to at least biblically talk about giving and stop being afraid of it. Because it's not about more money. It's about more people living on mission. So this is going to be a good talk to properly take some notes. Uh, there's some thoughts that build on one another here. Um, and let's just see where the Lord gets us at the end. The, the first thing, missional living, okay, so we're talking about missional living, will be marked by missional giving. There's really no way to separate those two things. If you're going to give your life away, part of that would be giving away your resources as well. If you're going to give away your life for the cause of Christ, making disciples, you're going to need to resource that. Um, but as usual, this is a matter of the heart. It's all about the heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you treasure God, if you treasure giving your life away, um, that's where you will put your treasure. That's where you will put your resources. To say that you treasure God and you treasure giving your life away and will not give a dime to it, that means that something is off. I can tell you definitively if you are living missionally by looking at your checking account. If there are resources going towards mission, I'm not just talking about over, I'm talking about mission. If there's resources going to fund the mission of the church, the resources going towards the needy. If there's that, then I can say with great confidence you are living missionally. If I look at your checking account and there's not a penny going to that, I can say that you're not. And you're going, that's, a, that's junk, man. That's legalistic. I give my time, I give this, I give, I give a bunch of stuff towards mission. Yet if you don't give a penny, is your heart really sold out to this? You can do some cool stuff, but if you are not willing to resource the mission, then I would say that you are probably not living missionally. There's really not a way you can argue with this. Because part of giving your life away is generously giving away your resources. You cannot separate them. I give my life away, Part of that's giving resources. You just can't separate the two. So missional living will be marked by missional giving. What is missional giving? That's a fun phrase. Where are you getting that from? What is missional giving? Well, missional giving starts with the tithe, which I'll explain, and then goes from there. So what is missional giving? It begins with the tithe, and then it goes from there. I, I have never preached the tithe at Summit Church. The tithe is giving 10% of your income back to God. The first 10% of your income back to God. That's what it means to tithe. But I think I failed to teach this more so out of fear. Now, there, there's some of me that's like, man, I don't see the tithe taught by Jesus in the New Testament. And I'm a New Testament guy. If Jesus says to do it, I do it. If it's only in the Old Testament, maybe it's not supposed to be brought over. There's part of me that says that. But the reality is that Jesus does talk about money more than he talks about heaven or hell. He does think this is a huge deal. And what he says is you don't give 10%, you give 100%. But I do think there's still principles in the New Testament that make the tithe fair game. But here's the biggest reason why I have no problem standing in front of you today and teaching about the tithe. It's a part of my family's worship. 
I believe in it because I do it. We tithe. That's, that's what we do. That's part of our worship. We tithe. We give 10% back to God. We do that. It's part of who we are. So I believe in it. And, and I'd be wrong to stand up here and say, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Because I think it's important. And I think it's good. And, and as we start to unpack this tithe, don't get caught up in the percentage and all this stuff. Here's the biggest thing. This is probably the dominant thought for the message today. What we're talking about here is all about the principle of the first. The principle of the first. Make sure you get this. It's all about the principle of the first. And here's what I mean. God wants to be first in your life. He wants to be put first. He wants nothing else to be first. He wants to be your first love. He wants to be your first choice. He wants to be your top priority. He wants the first and best portions of you. It's about the principle of the first. God does not desire that which is left over. He does not want the scraps. He does not want the portion of you that no one else wants. God wants the best portions of who we are. This is a huge missional living truth. It has nothing to do with money. If you're like, man, I got a bunch of stuff to do, so I'm going to give God about 10 minutes a week to check the box. I'm going to give him this little sliver that's left over on Thursday afternoon. That's, the, that's what God gets. He doesn't want that. He wants the best portion of you. He wants the, the brightest version of you. It's the principle of the first. God demands and wants the first, not just the leftovers. This is also true of your resources, meaning the fruit of your labor the fruit of your labor, whatever you work to gain. If you till a field and you get fruit and that, he wants 10%. If you, if you go to work and get a paycheck, it's 10%. It's the fruit of your labor. God demands the first fruit of your labor and he calls it your tithe. He demands it because he wants the best portion of you. He wants the first portion of your resources. This is a biblical principle. You can find it multiple places, but Exodus chapter 13, I think, really explains it well. Exodus chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and to your ancestors. So after God does his part in your life, after God delivers you and redeems you out of slavery, after God fully does what he says he's going to do, verse 12, then you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All of the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Now I know this is hard for us to quantify because you're like, I ain't got no cows. I don't have any sheep. I did try chickens once, but that didn't work out. Like, I don't know how this applies to me because I do not have the firstborn of any livestock. Well, if we bring this 3,000 years to the present, I think the principle of the first is what we're talking about here. The first fruit of your labor, the first fruit of your harvest, the first Animal born from the womb, it belongs to the Lord. It's his. He demands the first portion, the first fruits. They're his. They're his because he was faithful to you. He has delivered you, so he demands you be faithful to him by providing the first fruits. Verse 13, 
redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. This is just getting strange now. What? So if I have a donkey, I've got to redeem it with a lamb, and then I've got to break it. This is, this is not biblical. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. God demands the first fruits. There are clean and unclean animals in the Old Testament. God will not accept an unclean animal. So a donkey is an unclean animal. In order to give that donkey, the firstborn, back to God, it belongs to him, you have to first redeem it by offering a sacrifice, a sacrifice of a clean animal, a lamb. You sacrifice to redeem. You make something that is unclean clean by offering the sacrifice you are to sacrifice the firstborn as a first fruits of your flock. You're to redeem through sacrifice that which is unclean. God actually practices this himself. He practices what he preaches, and I think it'll help put this in perspective. You are God's creation. You're his joy. But Jesus is called God's first fruit of creation. He is the best portion. And it's not that he was created, but he's it's called the first fruits. And in order for God to redeem us, he sacrificed the best part, his son Jesus. He gave his own son. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not withhold his own son, yet sacrificed him as a first fruits offering to redeem all mankind. And this system of redemption and sacrifice, it still plays out today in our world. It just happens to play out more in our resources. God practices what he preaches. Jesus is God's first fruit sacrifice. So in order for you to sacrifice to God the first fruits of your labor, in doing so, you are redeeming the rest. You give the first 10% to redeem the remaining 90%. This is a sacrifice to redeem the rest. The first 10% is the best part. It's very important that it be the best part because this speaks to the heart. You give the first fruits because it speaks to the heart. It shows a heart of obedience, but more importantly, it shows a heart of trust. If you make $100, the first 10 goes to God. To redeem the rest. It's a sacrifice made to God because it belongs to him to redeem the rest so that you might be blessed with the 90% that's left over. But when you give the 10% first, when it's not, oh, I got to pay this bill and this bill and this bill and this bill and this, oh, oh, there's nothing left. Sorry, God, I'll get you next month. I owe you. When you give first, it shows trust. God, I'm going to give this first, even though I don't know the math is going to work out, but I trust you to redeem and bless the 90 and make things work. It's all about trusting God, but it has this beautiful, beautiful truth that is tied to it. Look at verse 14, Exodus chapter 13, verse 14. In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? In the days to come, when your kid comes up to you and goes, Dad! Uh, that lamb just had a baby and you just killed it. <laughs> Dad, that seems foolish because our flock would be much greater if you would stop killing the firstborn that comes out of every animal. What are you thinking? You are a horrible rancher. <laughs> when your son comes to you and goes, why in the world 
are you doing this? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Say to that child, this may seem foolish to you, but God redeemed us. God saved us. God changed everything. And because of God, we owe him everything. And he asks for the firstborn, so we give it to him because of what he's done for us. My oldest son is five. I cannot wait for him someday to get a look at the checking account or something and do the math in his small brain and go, Hey, Dad, I was just doing some number crunching. You could buy about 4,000 Ninja Turtles with how much money you gave the church this month. Remember my birthday party when you said we couldn't go to the Great Wolf Lodge? Yeah, I know where the money went. What is Summit Church? Why do you love it more than me? (laughs) Bryce, come here. I know this doesn't make sense to you, but to your mommy and I, we believe that we owe God everything. Because see, we were once slaves to our sin and we had no hope, we had no life, but because of God and what he's done, he's given us everything that we have. And so yeah, we give back to him, we give him 10%, but we really owe him everything. We give because of what he's given to us. I can't wait to share that with my son. I can't wait to tell him why we give. We give because of what has been given to us. The third point is that your tithe, your first fruits, your sacrifice, it's to go to the church to further the mission of the church. The tithe goes to the church to further the mission of the church. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a mere mortal, will a human being rob God? That seems impossible. How could we rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? You're robbing me in your tithes and your offerings. You're under a curse. Your whole nation is cursed because you're robbing me. Instead of withholding your tithes and offerings, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Go ahead and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. When you withhold your tithe from the storehouse, you are robbing from God. That is harsh language, but it is true. You're not trusting him. You're not giving back to him what is his. So what is the storehouse? Where are we supposed to bring this tithe to? It's so important. In the New Testament, I think it's the capital C church. I think the storehouse is the capital C church. So for you, practically, that would be whichever local church you choose to be a part of. That would be the avenue through which you give to the storehouse of God. That would be the avenue through which you open the floodgates of heaven upon yourself and the church. 
And I know some of you completely disagree with me. Like, that's an Old Testament truth. Storehouse is anything. God is anything. It's all about the heart. You're even saying that. When I give to someone on the street, that's the same as giving to God. That's the same as giving to church. When I give towards a missionary, that's the same as giving. When I give towards this, when I do this, when I buy, that is the same as giving towards God. That is me being missional. I do not have to give a dime to the church. When I give away, I'm giving to God. I know it's between he and I, and I would say I absolutely agree with you. I 100% agree with you that if you're giving with a generous heart, you are giving to God. I completely agree with you, but I ask you this question. What is the best way that you could guarantee that you're giving back to God? What is the best way to guarantee this? I would say that the best way to guarantee that when you give, you are actually giving back to God is to give it directly to his bride. To give it directly to his bride, which is the church. And the reason that this hurts some of you so much is because you cannot see the church as the bride of Christ. You see the church as a man. I'm not going to give it to you. Who knows what you're doing with it? You're probably buying light bulbs and crazy stuff like that. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to meet needs. I'm going to give it to I'm not going to trust the man that is the church. Stop. I know the church has messed up so many people and you don't trust the leadership. I know that. I know that. But stop using that as an excuse not to give. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I say this as one of you, as a giver. Stop worrying about that. You're giving it to God. You're giving it directly to the bride of Christ Now I pray that churches will be great stewards of the resources given to them and they will use every penny to further the mission. Our mission is to make disciples for the glory of God. I pray that every penny goes to the mission and not to the pastor's car, a 2009 Honda Civic. Not to the pastor's wardrobe, Old Navy with a coupon. Not to their house. I pray that it doesn't go there. And I know a lot of people have manipulated a lot of people to get a lot of stuff. But that's not the case here. So stop using that as an excuse. I believe the best way to give back to God is to give to the local church. And I believe that biblically the first 10% goes to the storehouse, which is the church. If you want to give towards mission, if you want to give away, awesome, do it. But that comes next. That comes after the tithe has gone to the church. To steal a line from the navigators. We are merely the bridesmaids. To give to a bridesmaid is wonderful. But don't be confused and think you're giving directly to the bride. The first fruits goes back to God. It goes to the mission of the church. When I was fresh out of Bible college, I worked in Poto, Oklahoma, a little church out there. Uh, about a year into it, I wanted to start a college ministry. There's a little JUCO, Carl Albert State College there. Wanted to start a college ministry. Went to the church and said, will you fund this college ministry? They straight up said no. They, and here's why. None of the people who gave to the church had college-age kids. So they were like, the people aren't going to get behind this. And I'm like, you are 
dumb. But here, here's, what I, here's what I did. I was making $30,000 a year as a single guy living in a parsonage. I was balling. I never knew that you could make so much money as $30,000 a year. I had money just coming out of my nose. So I said, fine. I'm not going to tithe anymore to the church. I'm going to withhold my tithe, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to fund this whole college ministry. I'm going to buy Doritos. I'm going to buy donuts. I'm going to buy Pepsi. I'm going to pay for ski trips. I'm going to do everything I can. If you won't fund it, I will, and I'm balling, so I can. And I gave way more than 10% of my money to this college ministry. We didn't give a dime to the church. Left that church, came to Journey Church in Norman. Was on staff there. I had a budget could do basically what we wanted to do. Every time I went out and bought someone's lunch, the church reimbursed me for that. For a year, I gave nothing to the church because I had this mentality. When a need arises, I'm ready to go. I've got, a, I've got a war chest of God's money sitting in my account. Whenever he needs it, I'm ready to give it. About a year after being on staff, Clark, the senior pastor, came to me. He said, hey, Todd, we're looking at some stuff, and you've been on staff here about a year You've never given a dime to the church. And at first I was just like, how dare you look at my giving records? <laughs> it didn't take long. Um, so I, how, how dare you do that? But I, I couldn't lie. I was like, yeah, I, I haven't. He goes, is there a reason? And like, I was about to go on my whole story about, you know, if I fund mission, I do all this cool, but like, I, I would have been lying. I hadn't done anything in a year. He goes, do you not believe in the mission of the church? I said, well, yeah, of course I do. I'm here. Of course I believe in it. Put your money where your mouth is. That day, I set up an automatic withdrawal. Got paid twice a month. It came out on the first, it came on the 15th and 30th. My tithe. Figured out the math, did it. That was about 11 years ago now. I, I can say with confidence that that has been the spiritual discipline that I have shown now in marriage and as a family. I have for 11 years given faithfully 10% right after it hits the account. As soon as, as, soon as it comes in, 10% goes out to the church. I can say that with confidence and I can honestly look back to that day and thank Clark for having that hard conversation with me. Because my heart was wrong. It's always been and always will be about the heart. It always has been about the heart. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now, don't miss this. This is very important. What did Cain bring as an offering? Some fruit. Some fruit of the soil. He brought some of what he had produced. It wasn't the first fruits. It wasn't the best portion. He gathered up what may have been the leftovers, put it in a basket, and he brought it to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. He brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, the first fruits. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Notice, notice, not just the gift, but also the giver. God looked with favor upon the gift and the giver, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. On Cain 
and his offering, he said, no, thank you. I'm a God of the first. I don't want your scraps. Some of the fruit versus the firstborn fruit. One is accepted, the other is rejected. I believe more than anything, this shows us that it is a heart thing. You cannot separate the gift from the giver. You cannot separate the gift from the giver. They are one and the same. God wants the heart of the giver to be right before him. Hear this. You could give for a long time and never see the blessings of God because you give what's left over and you do so begrudgingly. Today, you could whip out the checkbook, say, I'll show you God. Here's 13%. Slam it in the offering box and say, now you best do something. And he would say, I don't want it. While others of you could, with trembling hands, say, God, this doesn't make sense, but I trust you. I trust you. And you give, and God says, I will open the floodgates of heaven. My wife and I, are incredibly blessed. We have a lot more resources than we need. We do. We give 10% right off the top to the church, but we don't stop there. My wife is this amazingly generous person, and because the Lord has blessed us with more than we need, we have the ability to just give, to just give my oldest son started school at Newcastle here, and we get a call a week from his teacher. Hey, there's a janitor here that doesn't have anything. Can you help? And I think they're calling us because they know that I've got a church behind me. I think that's why they're calling us. But we don't ever get to the church because my wife's just like, bam, huge gift card. We'll take care of it. They called just the other day. They were like, hey, uh, the pre-K room needs a Christmas tree. We can't we have the funds to buy a Christmas tree. I'm just like, I'm like putting my foot down. This is not missional. Like, I'm not buying a twinkle tree for the pre-K class. We bought a Christmas tree. <laughs> we, we just have, we have extra. We do. And I know that some of you hate that I'm saying that. Of course you do, once you walk in my shoes. We have. We didn't always have extra. But we've always had enough. We've always had enough. And now we do have extra. And I cannot say definitively that that is because we tithe. I can't say that, because I don't know. But I can't say that it isn't. And I speculate that that is why we have extra. This is about the heart. As the band comes back up here, when you give your tithe to the church, to Summit Church. It goes to further the mission. It's a part of you living missionally. But it's also what God has demanded since the beginning. He's demanded from his creation to be put first. 
To fail to do this, to fail to give your tithe, to fail to give the first fruits, is to literally rob from God what is rightly his. For me and my family, I want to walk in the blessings of God, being obedient and trusting him with our resources. This is just part of our family's worship. But it's also a really good picture of our heart, our trust for the Lord. And if you do not give, if you withhold That too is a picture of your heart and it's a heart of distrust. It's a heart of fear. It's easy for you to talk about that, Todd, because you're on the other side. Yeah, but why do you think I didn't give for that whole year? Distrust. Distrust of the church. Distrust that God would bless. It was distrust. If I were to ask the people in this room who have been amening and believing everything I'm saying, if I were to ask the people in here that get this, and they're just like, if I were to ask them to tell their stories, you'd be blown away. Well, how do you know their stories? I don't. But I know you'd be blown away with God's provision. Because God's promises are true. And one of the greatest ways that we can walk in faith and trust in God is by giving, giving back to him what is his, so that the mission of the church, so that the making of disciples for the glory of God can go further. I'll tell you this right now. If every person who was a part of this church who believed in the mission tithed, there is nothing that we could not accomplish. We would have more than enough resources to take care of every need if every person tithed. And there's those who do and who give above, and so we have have what we need. We have what we need to be a part of the mission, but I can't fathom what it would look like if everyone did their part. So if you're a guest here today, thank you for coming. Uh, I don't want you to give a dime. You're a guest here. If you decide this is where you want to be, then we can talk about that later. If you're a non-believer, meaning you have not placed your trust in Jesus Christ, then I want you to experience God's great generosity first. I want you to put your faith in Jesus Christ for your soul, for your salvation. I don't want you to pull a dime out of your wallet. I want you to experience God, because he gives first, we give back. So, if you're a non-believer here, that's, this is not for you. But if you are someone who calls yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you call Summit Church your home, then the response today is to give. That's what you do. Sometimes there's a very tangible response. You give. You have to face your fears. You have to trust God and you give. For those of you who do that faithfully, thank you. For those of you who do it partially, it's time to trust God fully. And for those who do not do it at all, today could be a day where you find breakthrough, true freedom from the bondage that is the fear of not having enough. There's offering boxes in the back of the room. As we worship, you can respond by giving there. You can give online through Summit Church Online, summitonline.tv. You can give online. You can text Summit Church to 77977. You can text that. There, and the only reason I'm saying that, it sounds like an infomercial, I'm just saying that because there's many paths to which you can give. Don't you be like, well, just forgot my wallet. Must have been the Lord. The response today is to give. So today as we respond, our pastors and our prayer team will still be up here. If you want us to pray for you, if we believe that prayer unlocks the power of God, if there's anything in your life that's just crushing you, maybe it's a financial thing that's crushing you, um, come and let's, let's pray. Let's pray about that. Let's pray about anything you got going on 
But then the second response is to give. Give to, give back to God, give to further his mission. It's to give, to trust. So Father, I pray for this response that it would be pure and genuine. I pray that our hearts would be generous and I pray that you would be honored and glorified in the way that we respond, in the way that we give so that your mission may be furthered on this earth. It is all about you, Jesus. It is all for your glory. Come and help us overcome our fear. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's stand and respond to him.